This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Thursday afternoon, March 9th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. Some people have chosen to make their home on a cruise ship. We'll talk about the cost of that lifestyle in our next segment. But right now, it can be hard to maintain momentum during a job search. Let's get some strategic assistance from Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm To Discern, based in Chicago. Rick, thanks for joining us today. Day. And as someone who has been there myself, I can say there is nothing more frustrating and no process that can make you doubt yourself more than a job search that drags out for months. Yep, absolutely. I've been in this business for 34 years, and I can tell you that it is a horrible experience uh, for people going through it, no matter what your abilities, talents, and skills. And, and it's very hard to keep perspective on that when you're in the middle of a, of a job search. Uh, I don't know if this is a fair analogy, but it's sort of like you're, you're divorced out of a long marriage and now you're out dating. Uh, you don't really have any idea why someone would want to go out with you. And of course, on the other side of it, unlike dating, you hope there's a mutual interest. But for a lot of the market, when you're in a job search, they don't really even want to hear from you. You're out there trying to, it goes from dating to sort of door-to-door sales. Right. It's it's a matter of uh, trying to uh, adjust your skills to fit their needs and the challenge is finding out who they are and what those needs happen to be. But there are some differences, though, between a job search, let's say, pre-COVID compared to today because there are remote work options. There are, but the, the issue around remote work is the hiring process is even less about human interaction. And and that at the end of the figurative day, people hire people because they feel positively about them and the ability to feel positively about someone and make allowances for their strengths and weaknesses comes from that personal interaction. So when you put yourself into a job posting website or some other format, that organization exists only for the benefit of itself and the interest of people who want to hire in using that tool. It doesn't care about you at all. There's no way that the website is going to go, oh, gee, I didn't realize you were a nice person, so of course I'm going to move you on to this other opportunity. And then what what do you do, let's say, you know, when, when you first branch out into searching for a job once again? There's lots of lunches and cups of coffee, and maybe if we get to six months or seven months or eight months, you wonder if those job lunches or cups of coffee for networking purposes are merely a waste of time. So how can you make them purposeful again? Yeah, I I would say that typically when you've been in the market that long and you're doing what you believe to be uh, the correct things to connect a network, you're probably doing something wrong. Um, you know, this is not, this is a pretty positive job market. That's, I know that's not good news for anybody who's been out there. Great. I've been at this six months and now you're telling me I, I've been doing it wrong. That's not what I'm getting at. Uh, 
typically you're either not seeing the people that you need to see, i.e. someone who actually could influence and or hire you, you're getting stopped somewhere in the process. Or alternately, when you are in that environment, when you actually are in that interview or meeting process, your communication is flawed in some way. You are either identifying how you can help them with a problem that they don't even know that they want help with. You know, who are you? I don't know that I want to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in somebody doing what I want, not what I need. And that's a, that's a gap. It's not what they need. It's what they want. They're a lot more likely to engage you if you if you understand what they want. And then I think the other thing is don't get the cart before the horse, which means this is you don't get into the first or second interview and negotiate what the severance is, what my benefits are, and can I work from home, et cetera, et cetera. That's, none of that matters. You're just becoming more difficult. To, you're trying to get an offer. You don't have to take it, but your goal is to get an offer. And I make that sound really simple, and it is really hard. So you have to have a plan. You have to have a process that you're going to enforce. You have to have somebody that cares about you, helping you stay on track. It doesn't have to be a professional, but somebody who you say, this is what I'm going to do today, and then they will help you stay accountable to that process and stay at it until it's over. You know, you can't have, I'm close on something, doesn't mean you stop looking. It means you look harder because nothing feels worse than being rejected and then having nothing else in the pipeline. Rick Cobb, founder of the workplace consulting firm To Discern, based in Chicago. Thank you for the advice today. Coming up, making a cruise ship your place of residence. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. For many people, a cruise ship can provide their ultimate vacation. Some others see it as a more permanent destination. We're joined by Cindy Richards, editor-in-chief of SheBuysTravel.com. Cindy, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Now, this is a real thing. This is not uh, people who saw the movie Triangle of Sadness and said, you know what? The parts that took place on the boat, that was nice. I want to live my life just like that. Uh, There's actually a ship that will allow you to not only just become married to the sea, but live there. Absolutely. You know, it's a really, it's a quickly growing concept. I don't know if it's a quickly growing thing that people are really doing, but the offerings are out there. Um, I ran into this the first time probably 10 years ago on a cruise ship, and I met this old dude who had been living on the cruise ship. It sort of fell into it accidentally. His wife had died. They had, they were avid cruisers, and he thought, I'm still going to go on a cruise. He went on the cruise. He liked it so much. He just kept re-upping and another week and another week. And he had been on the cruise ship at that point for almost two years. And, you know, so he he was a trendsetter before, you know, we even knew it was a trend, I guess. And that's really who's always been doing it. It's been retirees. So it's the choice of you can live on a cruise ship or you can go to, you know, senior living. And why would you choose senior living over a cruise ship? If that's an option, I mean, th- th- this this is kind of a, 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 a twist on the grand old tradition of wealthy person who lives in a hotel. Um, I'm thinking of uh, the late actor Telly Savalas, who lived at a hotel in Los Angeles. Harry Carey, of course, uh, lived at the Ambassador East, and so this is a thing that people have done over the years. And as you said, if if the option is uh, sitting at home and watching game shows, or sitting on a boat and watching game shows, pick the boat. Absolutely. And well, the big news here, though, is that it's suddenly becoming affordable for all of us. Um, You know, we probably your average middle class person probably spends thirty thousand dollars between a mortgage and insurance and 
you know, cable bills and life and everything. And now you can get all that on a cruise ship, including, you know, 24-hour room service and all your meals prepared and everything else. So why wouldn't you? It's there, But there are some things to think about, I think, before you're going to do it. Um, you know, I the, the $30,000 deal on this new cruise ship that the, it's gotten all the play, you know, it's for an inside cabin that's like 130 square feet. So I think before you commit to three years of living like that, you should at least take a cruise for a week on an inside cabin at 130 square feet and see if that's a place that you're really comfortable. Yeah, at the very least, get a porthole. I mean, I think that's, uh, and I'm sure that's probably an extra ten grand. Is we'll, we'll give you the porthole room for an extra ten thousand dollars. Now, this is a three-year voyage. It starts in Istanbul on November first of this year, and then it will pick up more passengers in Barcelona and Miami, and also puts pressure on the cruise line to have a, a very interesting itinerary along the way. Well, they're going to stop in 130 different countries in all seven continents, so I think they've got that covered. Um, you know, around the world, cruises have, have been a big trend in cruises, you, maybe four or five months, and you you hit, uh, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 countries, and you're on the, the ship for that amount of time. It's probably a good test run for living on a ship, although the around-the-world cruises are very expensive, but they sell out almost immediately when they put them out. Um, there are a lot of people who have that kind of money to do it. It'll be very interesting to see. I, I, you know, this is, is obviously aimed at more of a remote workforce. You can work on ship, although I've always found Wi-Fi to be spotty at best on cruise ships. They're working on it, but they still haven't quite figured it out, especially in the middle of the ocean. So I think there, there's a lot of research people need to do. It's, it's clearly a romantic idea. I can live on a cruise ship. You'll feel like... Um, you know, like Telly Savalas, you'll feel like uh, you're, you, you're, you're doing something special. But, you know, there, there's probably some downsides to it, too. But I'll tell you what, um, if it was up to me, I'm in. If, if, if you, after three years on a cruise ship, uh, instead of developing your sea legs, it's developing your land legs. Cindy Richards, editor-in-chief of SheBuysTravel.com, based in Washington. Thanks for uh, Chicago, I should say. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, traveling, a, uh, tracking a dangerous rise in credit card debt. It's- Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Credit card debt in America is at an all-time high to the tune of more than $930 billion. Let's get some strategies to knock those numbers down from Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com, based in New York. Ted, thank you for joining us today. Let's start with the fact that we're beginning from a fairly low floor because three years ago, Americans used their pandemic stimulus checks to pay down their existing credit card debt. That was true for a while. Yeah, there was a time from Q4 of 2019 to Q1 of 2021 when credit card balances fell 17 percent, according to the New York Fed. People used their stimulus payments to pay down debt. They were spending less for a while. 
Unfortunately, things have reversed since then, though, and balances are up 28% since the beginning of 2021. Now, has this uh, increase in credit card balances tracked the uh, increase in inflation during that time? Inflation's a big part of it. Yeah, inflation and higher rates. We track credit card rates every week. And in fact, just yesterday, we hit a new all-time record high of 20.04%. We've been doing this since the mid-80s, and that's the first time we've crossed 20%. So I, I think it speaks to the persistence of credit card debt, unfortunately. It's one of these things that's easy to get into and hard to get out of. Um, you know, Most people who have credit card debt have had it for at least a year most of the time, it's something practical that got them into it, like an emergency expense or just day-to-day expenses outpacing their paycheck. Um, but yeah, it's a tough one, unfortunately. Between higher rates and higher prices, what are some things you can do to uh, knock down those numbers, especially if you're really being squeezed? My top tip would be to get a 0% balance transfer card. You can move your existing high-cost debt from one or more cards over to this new card with a 0% promotional rate lasting up to 21 months. Examples include the City Simplicity, the Bank America card, and the Wells Fargo Reflect card. This could be a tremendous tool to give you some interest-free runway to really make some progress paying it down. And how much of a difference does it make to uh, knock down your uh, interest rate payments when it comes to carrying a credit card balance? It's tremendously important because minimum payments are not nearly enough. If you have the average credit card balance, about $5,800, according to TransUnion, and you make minimum payments at 20%, You'll be in debt for more than 17 years, and you'll pay more than $8,200 just in interest. So it's so important to pay more than the minimum. Pay it all if you can. But if you need to carry a balance, seek out the lowest interest rate possible. Balance transfer is probably the best example. Something like a personal loan or a debt management plan from a reputable nonprofit credit counselor, that could be a backup plan. Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com, based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Still ahead in Technology Thursday, using science to resurrect an extinct ancient beast. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Chicago police officer Andres Vasquez Lasso is saluted for his service during a funeral mass this morning on the south side. The head of the Norfolk Southern Railroad addresses a series of recent derailments during testimony before lawmakers in Washington. Technology Thursday, scientists are on track to reincarnate the long-extinct woolly mammoth. A problem with a baking vendor is causing a Girl Scout cookie shortage in some parts of the country. WBBM business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 173 points. The NASDAQ is down 89. The S&P 500 is down 25. We have 39 degrees right now in Chicago under cloudy skies, topping out at 40 later today. Some snow on the way, up to 6 inches possible. It's 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, family, friends, co-workers, and members of law enforcement gathered this morning for the funeral of Chicago police officer Andres Vasquez Lasso. He was shot and killed on March 1st on the south side while responding to a 911 call. This is Chicago Police Department Chaplain Father Dan Brandt. Nothing is more important than the love of this man by his family, 
his friends, his co-workers, and this community. The officer was approaching his fifth anniversary with the department. He is survived by his wife and two daughters. Norfolk Southern Railway CEO Alan Shaw is on the hot seat today, testifying before a Senate committee following three high-profile train derailments. They include one in Ohio that featured a hazardous material spill. I want to begin today by expressing how deeply sorry I am for the impact this derailment has had on the residents of East Palestine and the surrounding communities. Shaw stopped short of fully endorsing a Senate bill that would toughen rail safety regulations. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets have turned lower. We're joined by Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer with Crescent Capital based in Chicago. Jack, thanks for joining us today. And it seems like the markets are bracing themselves for tomorrow's jobs report. And in an about face, they're bracing themselves for good news. It is. It's somewhat ironic. You know, it's funny, Rob, I'm getting mixed signals from the market today because, uh, yes, stocks are down uh, in anticipation of perhaps uh, a more aggressive Fed that could raise rates a half a percent instead of a quarter uh, that, you know, has has really continued to get, um, you know, put investors on their heels. And yet um, what we're seeing today is lower yields. Um, uh, particularly in the shorter end, which would suggest the bond market is anticipating a weaker uh, jobs report. Uh, and so it, it is a mixed, mixed reaction. Uh, bonds um, looking for uh, slowing growth and equities uh, right now uh, bracing for as you said, better news. It's I, I'm going to uh, shrug my shoulders and shake my arms with a mix of frustration and amusement tomorrow if the markets fall on a weaker-than-expected jobs report because, because now everyone's worried about an economic downturn. Right. I mean, that's unfortunately, that's the psychology uh, we can sometimes get ourselves in, Rob. As you know, um, you know, I track uh, investor attitudes. And one of the things I find uh, notable nowadays is that there are very few bulls out there. Uh, well, there's, a, uh, there's an organization called the American Association of Individual Investors, and they send a survey around every week, and they've done it for years and years. And right now, the, the, the share of their members who declare themselves bullish is at around the fifth percentile of their historical range. And that sounds like bad news because everyone's bearish, but actually near term, it's, it's actually pretty good news because if you think about so much widespread bearishness, expectations right now are extremely low. So the opportunity for a positive surprise may be a little bit higher than we think. And it's also different uh, being a stock market observer or the host of a financial program such as myself versus an actual investor who is who is uh, making predictions and backing them up with either their money or somebody else's money. Uh, their thinking is a lot different than my thinking. Yeah, it can. I mean, the fact is, I've you know, I've got a fair share of battle scars uh, from decisions I've uh, wish I hadn't made in the past. But the fact is, I do rely quite a bit on data, and uh, and data, of course, means that history, or at least uh, re- relationships of of data, tend to repeat themselves over time. So, at least near term, I would say, you know, 
the why I'm going to embrace this widespread bearishness. I think we we got to it roughly in the fourth quarter of last year, and of course, uh, fourth quarter was actually a pretty good result for equities. And then you know, going back 40 years ago, it's a very different fight, a very different war. But in the early late 70s, early 80s, you did have an oil shock that was a major driver of inflation, and as that receded, so did inflation in the U.S. along with a lot of other stuff. And then looking at the price of oil right now, compared to a year ago when you had all that uh, Russia-Ukraine uncertainty, uh, the price of oil is, has parked itself below $80 a barrel and, and has pretty much stayed there despite many attempts to move it. Yeah, that's it. I think there are one stark difference between uh, today's inflation environment and one in the 70s was, if you, you know, harken back to the 70s, most of uh, the uh, U.S. employment was manufacturing. A lot of that manufacturing work was unionized, and a lot of those union contracts had cost-of-living adjustments built in. So when we got the oil shock in 73, it automatically clicked into wage growth. And, you know, there really wasn't much at that time uh, employers could do or um, the Federal Reserve could do to just, you know, try to quell that that cycle. Um, this time around, you're right. I think energy prices are off the off the boil. Um, I watch other sentiment. I'm looking at business sentiment right now. Small businesses are pretty pessimistic. Uh, consumers looking out in the future are pretty pessimistic. So to me, that's an early indicator that we are going to see some slowing growth as we navigate the rest of this year and go into next year. Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer, Crescent Capital, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, a biotech company is working to bring back an ancient creature through gene editing. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Technology Thursday, and here's another reason why you should uh, listen to the Noon Business Hour every day. Because back in 2017, we first spoke with our guest about a scientific effort to reincarnate the long extinct woolly mammoth. A lot of progress has been made since then. Let's get an update from Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media and former tech editor for the Today Show, based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Now, Paul, I have watched a lot of movies in my time, and uh, it's appropriate this week we're having this discussion because uh, the, uh, the the special effects model maker Bert I. Gordon died this week, and he was responsible for a lot of 1950s science fiction movies about uh, scientists doing things they shouldn't and then facing the consequences of it. Uh, the Amazing Colossal Man, uh, The Beginning of the End, which was about giant grasshoppers attacking Chicago. And I had to think about those 1950s sci-fi concepts as we talk about the scientists uh, resurrecting the woolly mammoth. What are they doing and what are they going to do with it if they're successful? Well, first of all, I have no idea. <laughs> no, what I mean is that there are plans that are still, they don't know, is really the point. Colossal is the name of the company. They just added $60 million in funding. Um, their goal, their Dallas-based, is the de-extinction of the woolly mammoth. And now that, you know, in and of itself might be sort of a strange goal. We are also, in addition to all the other science movies you mentioned, um, we're in about 30 years out of uh, Jurassic Park, its first. Yes, you're correct. So that the, all of it has been in our imagination. How do we bring back a species if we should? And that's a big if. But how do we bring back a species that's extinct, assuming that the world would be a better place with it? And the short answer is gene sequencing. Uh, a lot of people have heard the, the acronym CRISPR. Uh, it stands for Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats. What it really means is that basically you precisely cut DNA 
and then you let natural DNA repair processes take over so you ingest that new DNA. And that's what they're imagining they're going to do with the woolly mammoth that 10,000 years ago became extinct. Um, and they're going to let it come to fruition, ideally, uh, in the next three years. So that the goal is to bring back that species. Now, I mean, the, 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 what's going to happen in reality is that they're going to resurrect the woolly mammoth and the woolly mammoth is going to wind up in a zoo. And after 10 minutes of looking at this creature that's been extinct for 10,000 years, you say, OK, what else is here? Um, but there has to be some other scientific application here above and beyond just resurrecting a long extinct species. That's exactly right. In fact, they have a very serious purpose, at least in, in, as, as they imagine it. What they're going to be doing, creating an embryo of a woolly mammoth, placing it in an African element and elephant, pardon me, and then and have it give birth. The goal of having lots of woolly mammoths is to, frankly, is to bring back an ecosystem that was damaged by the eco, by, pardon me, by the woolly mammoth's departure. Um, you know, Siberia is an excellent example, way up in the northeast corner of Russia, as well as other parts of the world, especially in the Arctic. The ecosystem suffered when the woolly mammoth went away because it was a huge food source. It also did all kinds of other, had other beneficial impacts on the environment. In a nutshell, the goal they have of bringing back this species, which is extinct, is to help the ecosystem. Now, let's be clear. This is a living thing that 10,000 years ago went away, and human beings probably interacted with it. In fact, almost certainly did. Um, however, you know, th there's some dangers here. I mean, what if it brings back a disease that human beings are not ready to handle or don't have resistance to? So, that, you know, the, the risks are rather large. Well, Paul, thank you for that terrifying taste of things to come. Uh, Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media, former tech editor for the Today Show based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Thank you for joining us as always. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday. And still to come, there's a Girl Scout cookie shortage. Money Talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Production problems at a main baking partner is creating a cookie shortage for some Girl Scout troops. We welcome in Phil Lempert, founder of SupermarketGuru.com, based in Los Angeles. Phil, thanks for joining us today. And let me tell you, I have experienced this personally. What with a uh, brownie and a daisy at home, and this is uh, Girl Scout cookie selling season. And we already discovered the hard way that uh, one of their biggest sellers or most popular sellers is uh, not only unavailable, but now being sold in the secondary market. And we're talking about the Raspberry Rally cookies. Rob, you're a thousand percent right. And also, it's important to note that when you go to eBay or any of these other third-party sellers, the Girl Scouts, the, the local troop who makes the money, and again, they raise about $800 million a year, and that stays with the local troop, you know, they're not getting any of that money that, that's on eBay. That's somebody who bought it, who's putting up there, and instead of paying 4 to $7 for a box of cookies, depending on where you are in the country, um, you know, they're profiteering from it, and none of the money goes to the Girl Scouts. So we want to make sure that, you know, you might want to switch flavors. If, if you can't get the raspberry flavor, go back to the Thin Mint. That's my favorite one anyway. The, uh, the, our Girl Scout cookie sales this year were in two sections. The first one was in January, where the Girl Scout delivered the cookies to you at your home, local area delivery only. And right now we're in the midst of online deliveries where you can order online it's shipped to your house. But the raspberry rallies sold out. People got up at midnight to buy them. They were they were sold out by noon on the first day of online cookie sales. So it is a really big deal, but it's also hitting the other varieties of Girl Scout cookies. 
It is. You know, they sell about 200 million packages a year um, for Girl Scout cookies, but so far um, they've only produced basically half of that. Um, there is this problem that they've got with one of their bakers. There's two bakers. One is Ferrero. Um, they make Rocher, Tic Tacs, um, Nutella, and so on. It's an Italian company. They've got a plant here, but they've had production problems uh, because of power outages in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, so that's the problem. The other smaller one, ABC Bakers, only supplies about 25% of the cookies for the Girl Scouts. So so that's why we really have this problem. And even though, you know, frankly, Ferrero is saying it's going to, you know, they're going to come back, they're working hard. I'm afraid that, you know, your daughters um, are not going to have enough cookies to sell. Well, the good thing is they already took care of the home delivery stuff. So it's just basically online delivery. And that's that's in the hands of somebody else. So that's the good part. We have not been personally hit by it, except for the Raspberry Rally uh, uh, hiccup. But you mentioned just the, the sheer amount of Girl Scout cookies that are sold every year. Has anyone tracked the the Girl Scout cookie market share in the overall cookies and sweets uh, space? They haven't. Um, and the reason is you've got two basic companies. You've got IRI and Nielsen, both based in Chicago, um, who track supermarket sales. Um, then you've got other companies like Technomic that does restaurant sales. But when you go into these other categories, like, you know, the Girl Scouts selling it on the street corner or online, you really don't have that kind of metric that's out there. Uh, but I will tell you that it's substantial when you talk about $800 million a year. Um, and it's, as you point out, just a short period of time in the year, that makes them a pretty powerful force in the cookies market. Phil Lempert, founder of SupermarketGuru.com, based in Los Angeles. Thank you for joining us today. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.